I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth, drafting the circuits, three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? All right, it is April 26, 2018, 8pm, 8.30pm, depending upon how things go. This is Travis, and I am Oscar Mike Radio. How are you doing tonight? And tonight is episode 9-0. And since I have no guest, none whatsoever, um, I'm just going to, as we say in the Marine Corps, shuffle up, stand up, and walk to the door, and jump right out. Marine Corps. So I'm going to start with the question of the week. And the question came, why are you doing the weekend safety brief? And in, in both instances, the question of the week and the weekend safety brief are trying to, one, engage my listeners. Gotten some really cool questions from them over the last couple of years. And two, the weekend safety brief is about me getting on camera. Uh, there are people out there who want to see me on camera, and I don't, and I can't imagine why, but they do. So here goes. And the weekend safety brief was set up to get me more comfortable looking at myself, which again is kind of brutal. But, um, here we are. And the weekend safety brief, people wanted to know, too, what is the weekend safety brief in the military? And it's a fair question. I know all you hard chargers out there who've been in the military know what it's about. and But the civilians want to know, and I'll answer it. So you, you go all the way through work, and when you're in the civilian world, you get to Friday at 5 p.m. or 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., you punch out, you shut down your computer, and you're off work. You're going home, you're going to the soccer game, you're going to t-ball practice, you're going out with your colleagues to uh, get a drink, or you're heading to the airport to travel somewhere, or you're just going to go and hit the red box, pick up dominoes, and go home and uh, chill, right, on Netflix, or red box, whatever that is, right? Not for us in the military. That'd be too easy. That'd be way too easy. You, you stand in formation at around 1,600 hours, which is 4 p.m., and you stand there and stand there and stand there, and you're, at least in the Marine Corps, when I was in, uh, you know, you're, you're, you had your you know, section head, which is your corporal or corporals. You had your, you know, platoon leader, which is your, your sergeant, the senior sergeant there, and then you had your platoon sergeant, and then, you know, that's how you did it, right? And your platoon sergeant would come out and... You know, generally it's him doing it. Sometimes the lieutenant would come out and drop pearls of wisdoms in our brains to help us be safe and secure. Now, now Gunny, Gunny didn't care. He wanted to go home and start drinking. So it was like, don't F up. If you F up, make sure you call, you know, the, the duty NCO. The duty NCO will call me. And I hope to God it's something good because if I get dragged away from... My barbecue this weekend, someone's going to pay. Now, you know, forget that. You all will pay Monday morning, right? Uh, 
that that was his. Now the lieutenant would be a little bit more precise. And lieutenant had four things, four that he liked to talk about. One, Marines should never be alone. Now I don't know about you, but for me, I, I love my brothers and sisters. You know, I, I do anything for them. But there were some weeks on a Friday or Saturday, if we were working Saturday and we got secured for Libo, that the very last thing I wanted to do was spend more time with my fellow Marines. I had to eat with them, shower with them, shave with them, sleep with them, smell them. I was done. But he wanted everybody out there to make sure that we had a buddy. Well, I rode a motorcycle in the Marine Corps, and I would go off on my motorcycle. So that, that automatically made sure that at least 9% of my platoon couldn't bother me, which was great. He didn't like that too much. He didn't like motorcycles. don't know why, but that was the truth. So don't be alone. That was his first thing. Second thing that he was very clear about was uh, don't drink and drive. If you're going to go to Calexico or Mexicali or Algodonas, make sure you have somebody who's a designated driver. And a lot of the times that was yours truly because I didn't drink. So I had to be the designated driver slash babysitter for my brothers who, you know, got plastered in Mexico, which was funny until it wasn't funny. And it wasn't funny when the federales showed up. Just just another story from the time. Third thing that he was very clear about is Marines should practice uh, good self-control when it came to birth control. He didn't exactly order us to, but he wanted us to make sure that we had protection in case we uh, were entertaining a lady or multiple ladies. He's very clear about that. It was, hey, it's just what he felt was important. And the fourth thing, which he got from Annapolis when he was in Annapolis, was he wanted, he would he would ask to see proof of registration, proof of insurance, and look at the inspection sticker on your car. Because he was told it was a good idea to make sure that his Marines were actually, you know, truly safe. If they got pulled over by the police, they had their paperwork in order, they knew where it was, and the inspection ticket was current on their car. Now, I don't know if he ever caught any of us. I don't ever remember him kidding anybody. And at the time, it seemed kind of stupid. And it wasn't stupid until one of our buddies got pulled over by the uh, tribal in Indian police down there in Yuma. I forget which tribe it was, but he had all his paperwork. And even though the he got ticketed, you know, he's respectful. He has paperwork, and I, I guess the, 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 the police, Indian police cop was going to nail him even harder if um, he didn't have it. And that's a whole other podcast from the time that that was some serious stuff if you got pulled over for speeding on tribal land, littering, loitering, I mean, you name it. Uh, you were not the home team, so... They have a right to enforce the rules of their, their land. It's sovereign land. I get it. But he was happy that he knew right where it was and was able to produce it quickly. Not that it helped him any, but he was happy he had it. So, again, um, you know, the, the lieutenant was very clear about, uh, you know, what was going to happen in terms of your auto safety. Make sure you've got uh, 
the you know proper preparation for uh, that kind of activity, which I'm like, I don't really want to tell him that kind of stuff. Uh, make sure you don't uh, drive and drink or drink and drive. Not that it did any good in certain situations. And never be alone, which I violated all the time. So that was the weekend safety brief. We had it pretty much every weekend. And we had a longer one because when holidays hit, because when holidays hit and we have a 72, which is three days off, or a 96, which is four days off, four days in a row, we'd get the, um, you know, our, our, our section sergeant would give us the brief. Our platoon sergeant would give us the brief. The lieutenant would give us the brief. The first sergeant would give his brief. And then the the battery um, CO would give his brief. So the, from their perspective, they were thinking there's no excuse if something goes wrong that these Marines weren't told. For us, it, it, what should have taken five minutes took an agonizing 40 minutes to 45 minutes staying at attention or, or at parade rest when it was 112 degrees outside on a Friday night. It, it, it sucked, especially when the fruit flies started hitting us. So a little background about the weekend safety brief and how it happened and, and you know what was involved for all you civilians out there. We never had to deal with that. Um, I'm going to keep doing them. I got number four coming up this weekend on Friday the 27th. It's just a way for me to get my uh, face in front of a camera and, and, and get comfortable with that and have a little fun at the same time. Okay. All right. I am just stoked because today is episode 9-0. That's right. Episode 90 on Oscar Mike Radio. Uh, generally, I meet three kinds of podcasters. I meet podcasters who have done... 200 episodes, they've, they've got their YouTube dialed in, they have an entire room set up, they've spent thousands of dollars on equipment, they, they, they got a marketing budget, they're all set. you got podcasters like myself who are just now getting to uh, within field goal range of episode 100, and it's like, wow, you know, you're actually, okay, this is kind of cool, we're, 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 getting, we're getting somewhere. And you've got podcasters who are just starting out, either trying to produce their first episode or are in episode number you know nine or eleven and are finding all the same stuff I found out. And what I found out is podcasting to a lot of people is very like weird still. There's a lot of people that don't listen, don't understand, or they think podcasts, they think Joe Rogan. Or there's people that are really, really fired up about it. They 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 get it, they understand it, they want to be on it, that they, they love it. And you run the gamut, right? And, and for me, there are episodes that are extremely challenging to do from many different factors, many different ways. And some episodes that are just frustrating to do because of either technology or, uh, you know, trying to make sure you, you, you stay on schedule. Certain challenges dealing with guests. Uh, generally, I've had very good guests. I've had guests that are very engaged. But, you know, sometimes you get off topic, sometimes things don't quite work out, or sometimes you just need to let that guest talk. They have something to say, they're trying to talk about something that's important to them, and it's not about me, it's not about what I'm talking about or, or my agenda, I, I want to let them talk, and it's very important, right? And then it's just uh, weird stuff, like the time I forgot to hit the record button, 
or the time I forget my microphone, uh, not my microphone, but my um, headphones. You, you see me on the live stream wearing these headphones. Uh, there's a reason why. It's so I can hear myself. You need to hear yourself to be effective. And, and you know, editing frustrations where I'm like, I can't get this to work right. And this is a long time ago. Now I'm starting to really understand the software, understand the process, understand the terminology. And I hope you're hearing the improvement. If not, let me know. Travis at OscarMicroRadio.com would love to hear from you. But the good thing is, the, is there's, been, there's been fun. There's been a ton of fun doing this. I really enjoyed getting to talk to Megan Bruce uh, with Sergeant Megan and to see somebody else who is producing her content, her brand, the way she wants to. And it's just crushing it so far. It is great to interview uh, Michael Dara and Julie Lovely with Horses for Heroes. Uh, going to have uh, Tim Montjoy back on with Operation Team. I'm going to talk to the Taco Shell uh, crew again about the, the tacos they produce. Uh, really one of the, the more emotional episodes for me um, was talking to uh, Jody Renestay. I don't know if I got her name right. I'm sorry if I didn't, Jody. About her brother who um, committed suicide due to PTSD. I mean that was that was that was tough to hear, man. That that was really like real. And and you can sit there and say that Jody didn't have much uh, radio or microphone experience, but I mean that was a real episode. That was a real like thing, and, and I was just honored and blown away. I had to sit back there and let her talk and hear her story. I was really kind of taken aback about what she was trying to do. It was really good. Uh, just several of the people I've had on over the last year and a half. Uh, Albie, Albie Robbins and Tiny uh, about burnouts for vets. That, that was a great episode. It was a, a lot of fun to do. I enjoyed talking to, um, I'll call my brother-in-law, uh, about his um, support dog. It's a true support dog. It, it really is. And, and what it's done for him and his family has been amazing. Those things have made all this, this this work and effort worth it. And there might be people who don't understand. There might be people who you know don't get it. There might be people who think this is weird or just a hobby. Uh, it's more than that to me. And, and 90 episodes from what I've been told by other podcasters and other people in uh, the radio business is nothing to sneeze at. And... It, it's it's nice to hear, but it's really nice when I have listeners interact with me and give me ideas and ask questions, which is where the question of the week comes from. It is a lot of it's from those people who uh, want to uh, engage with me or have ideas for for shows or have criticisms about what I do. Um, a lot of what you're seeing now is because of those people. The reason I'm doing this YouTube live stream now versus another time is to kind of try this out. Again, there's people out there listening who, who want me on video, which I don't think I should be on video, but you all do. So we're giving it a try. And by trying new things that are difficult or, or I'm not used to or I don't know how to do, it's forced me to grow in, in many different ways. And so... This is kind of the first countdown to episode 100. Um, just appreciate everybody tuning in and checking this out.
Hey, you're listening to the Hubuzu Network on Radio Massasoit. At Massasoit Community College, we bring the topics to you. So I don't know if you've been watching the, the Facebook feeds or um, any of the veterans groups that are out there, but uh, uh, last week, uh, this story went absolutely uh, mat- critical mass. And I have it here in the blog post, and I'll just go over it on a very high level and what I think. Uh, saw this video of a reenlistment ceremony with this uh, Air Force sergeant. And she holds up her right hand, which she's supposed to do, but she started making this like um, talking sound with it while she was saying her part. And come to find out she had a sock puppet on. Well, this whole thing went critical mass, man. I mean, people got upset online about it and really laid into um, the person videoing it, the, 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 the officer that was presiding over the ceremony, and the sergeant herself. And I have the picture that, uh, that was really offensive to a lot of people in my blog post on oscarmichaelrio.com. And it's, it's this Master Sergeant, Robin Brown. She's an E-8 with the Tennessee Air National Guard. And you can make fun of the Air Force, you can make fun of the Air National Guard all you want, but, you know, to me, when you get the rank of E-8 or above, I don't, I don't care what rank you are, even if you're an officer, that, that person has accomplished something that very few will ever accomplish in their professional military careers. So hats off to her for be, being an E-8, okay? Um, no qualms about it. She has, she did operate at a very high level. And she not only was an E-8 in the Tennessee Air National Guard, she was also um, the part of the Joint Public Affairs Office for you know that part of the Air National Guard. So in the entire state of Tennessee, whenever they, whenever you saw, would see like a like a picture or a video or a news clipping or a press release, she had her hands in it and had her hands in it for a very long time because, unlike the um, you know normal military, the Air National Guard is pretty much stationary. You're going to serve in the Air National Guard. You're not going to deploy unless you're you know we're in a in a conflict time frame. You're going to do operations for sure, but you're not going to be in Tennessee one year and then uh, Germany for five years. It doesn't work that way in the Air National Guard. It's it's the Air National Guard. It's kind of like the National Guard. It's to defend the state or it's the state's militia. So she was around that environment and those people for a long time. And again, you don't get to be an E-8 by goofing off, or as some of the very um, you know hateful, I mean, there were some haters on here saying she probably slept her way to the top. No, you don't. You don't become an E eight by sleeping your way to the top, people. You become an E eight by being good at your job and taking care of the people that you're, you know, in charge of, and by making sure the people that you report to are happy with what you're doing. It's a lot of work, a lot of thankless work that people don't see. So. She, she wasn't uh, bad at her job, okay? 
and she's being sworn in. Now, now, the, I'm at a loss for words right now because I can't believe that I even have to talk about this. So just to back up a little bit here, when you do your reenlistment, and she's an EA, and she's probably going in for her for her E9. You know, I think it's Master Technical Sergeant of the of the of the Air Force. It's a it's a pretty prestigious enlisted rank, right? So she's re-upping for their four years now. In in military lore, and I've seen it personally, you as the person re-enlisting can ask for a request. Some people, like I saw Marines getting uh, re-upped. They they in Okinawa they would dive with their command underwater and they would re-up there or if they all rode motorcycles maybe the lieutenant and the and the and the, and the you know the battalion CO would go out in their motorcycles and you know they do the re-enlistment with you know the bikes all at parade rest which is really cool or they do it on a paintball field they do it at a pig roast I could go on 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 or, or they'd just be stupid, right? You know, he might dress up like a, like he was a Warhammer character or a Star Wars character and do it. What I'm trying to say is it, it's it's not as serious as you might think if you don't want to be serious. And there's some guys who want the true traditional military experience. And when you're standing there, he, he has, you know, all his uh, colleagues and subordinates and and, and, and senior people and, and the, you know, watching him get, you know, you know, take his reenlistment, uh, you know, oath, oath of reenlistment and, and do that. He might have his family there, might have his wife, you know, read him, whatever. It's a very serious, it can be a very serious thing. So I'm looking at her doing this and, and you know, the, the guy who um, is swearing her in, didn't raise his hand. I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. I mean, you know, really, you should raise your hand, dude. That's like basic, you know, military protocol 101. But while they're reading the oath and she's swearing back, she has his sock puppet on and she is, you know, using the sock puppet to swear herself in. And people went absolutely ape over this. So much so that the... Um, one of the main, you know, head honchos, uh, Major General Terry Haston, Adjutant General of the Tennessee Air National Guard, kicked her out, um, demoted pretty much the, the colonel to lieutenant colonel, and that guy retired the next day because his career is effectively over. And the first sergeant who was recording it got written up. I was like, oh my God. You know, I, I thought at first, you know, Maybe they'd get a talking to, right? Or, you know, maybe, you know, might have to, you know, put on their video explaining what they were doing. But I never thought in a million years that uh, an E8 would get kicked out over doing this. Kicked out? I mean, what kind of discharge is that? I mean, did, did she lose all her... VA and, and other benefits because of, of a sock puppet for real. And 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 I, I guess I'm asking that question. I mean, wow. I mean, was that really was the, was the 
punished the punishment for the crime? Really? And then I would ask everybody who got upset. I mean, you, you do realize people out there who are getting upset over this and, and firing up all the righteous indignation over what this female master sergeant did and this lieutenant colonel, how nasty they are. I mean, you, you do realize that there, there, there are veterans who still can't get their medical care from the VA. You do realize we have at least still, even though you average it out, it's about 21, 20 to 22 veterans killing themselves every day. Every day they're killing themselves. You do realize that the um, F-35 is millions of dollars over budget. Each one costs about $130 million. It was supposed to cost about $40 million per copy. But yet we can't get an updated uh, M4 to replace our uh, frontline uh, rifle for our Army and, and, and Marine Corps. And I could go on and on and on about things that you know, make me go, hmm. How Vietnam veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange still can't get uh, claims to the VA efficiently. And you're going to spill all this virtual ink on a woman who, if you're an E8, you've been in the military for at least 16 to 18 years. And you're re-upping one more time to retire, right? You're, you're doing that. You've, you, you're rounding third. You're coming home. And we're, you guys are all happy that this person got kicked out. Uh, of all the things that, that you know my military brothers and sisters do to warrant getting kicked out, I don't think this is one of them. And, and I'm not the only person who thinks this way. I, I read an article on task and purpose by Adam uh, Weinstein. He's a senior editor, Navy veteran. I have the link to it in my blog post. And he echoes my sentiment exactly. In, in a day when we're trying to retain people and get people to sign for the military, like the Air Force has a legit, Air Force and Air National Guard have a legit uh, retention problem because these people can leave and go out in the civilian world and make more money. Uh, I mean, if you're going to get busted down over this, this hard, are you really going to want to sign up? And the military life is hard enough as it is. Does this really warrant the response? I thought you'd go hardcore and, and maybe make an example by making them, you know, give a statement or explain what was going on with that or use this as a teaching moment. I didn't think you'd actually take this and fire people over it. So, you know, that's just how I feel about this. Um, I think people are getting upset over the wrong things. I think there's other things we can do. And I think it's silliness. Uh, I understand that uh, the Major General uh, Haston had to do something because of the uh, vile reaction to this. Uh, I just think, sir, you could have taken this a different way and possibly used this as a moment to teach and understand and, okay, yeah, chew her out behind closed doors. Chew him out behind closed doors. But, I mean, the, the three people affected by this, the first sergeant who was the videographer, Lieutenant Colonel and the Master Sergeant had almost 60 years combined service to our country. I mean, was this really worth uh, the reaction? I mean, if they had done this without anybody videotaping them, would you have had the same reaction? Probably not. You probably wouldn't have even known about it or cared. 
So I just think it was a little, little heavy-handed myself. And uh, all I can say to Master Sergeant Robin Brown is thank you for your service. I don't know if we'll ever cross paths in, in my travels in life, but if you do, um, I don't drink, but I'd be happy to buy you a beer and talk about it. And if you don't drink, well, um, I got a plan for that too. Nothing, nothing bad, nothing untoward. Just uh, I want to be able to shake your hand and say thank you for uh, serving our country and your state and the great state of Tennessee. And that's just how I feel. So I think it sucked puppet silliness. I think this is could have been done a whole different way. Thank you for listening. Um, and if you have any feedback, let me know. I am Omar and we are out.